Welcome to Paradigms on WBKM.org. This is episode number 63, December 26th, 2010.
Good evening. Baruch here, host of Paradigms. Happy to be with you again. December 26th, the day after Christmas 2010. I hope you had a great holiday. We had a wonderful solstice this week with an eclipse and a meteor shower and Christmas holiday. I hope you're having some time to relax with your friends, loved ones, and enjoy the season a bit. So much going on in the world. Tonight we have an interesting show. We're going to meet some of the finalists and winners of the Curry Stone Design Prize. Now, the Curry Stone Design Prize is offered to individuals or groups who develop and implement visionary design innovations. So we're going to be hearing from the director of the Curry Stone Design Prize in a few minutes, Emiliano Gandolfi, and then uh, throughout the show we'll be meeting the winners of the 2009 Curry Stone Design Prize and some of the finalists from 2010 who are doing really interesting things that I think you'll want to know about. We just heard a piece of music called Embaranquilla Miquedo from Joe Arroyo, who's Colombian, and we'll be listening to music from Colombia and Guatemala and Rwanda tonight because those are the locations of the folks that we're talking with. And let's learn some more about the Curry Stone Design Prize. Here's Emiliano Gandolfi on Paradigms on WBKM.org. My name is Emiliano Gandolfi. I am an architect and a curator. So I mostly work on uh, international projects that are investigating different issues related to the urban uh, condition. And I am uh, currently the director of the uh, Curry Stone uh, Design Prize. I'm also uh, the founder of a foundation myself that is called Cohabitation Strategies. And it's uh, a cooperative that is mostly dealing with uh, conditions of social and spatial development. Could you tell us a little bit about the Curry Stone Design Prize? Well, the Curry Stone Design Prize, it's actually a prize that was uh, thought by its, its two uh, founders, that is Cliff Curry and Delight Stone. And uh, Cliff and Delight had this idea to bring the attention of the design world back to issues that would relate uh, social, uh, economical, and uh, spatial justice. So the idea was actually how to bring back to the agenda issues that usually in the design world are just in the periphery of the discourse. So the idea of having a prize was a way to give uh, a different set of values to something that in fact in, in most of the uh, international press and in most of the magazines are not actually seen as something that relate to the, the field of design. So in fact the idea to make a prize that is such an important prize as $100,000 per year for the winner to uh, a, a practice that actually wants to see a different, uh, in a different way, wants to see different values in the practice. It's really a way to try to steer the attention into another direction. We'll be speaking later in this show with some of the people who've entered the, the Curry Stone Design Prize contest and also with the winner. I'm very interested to know how did you become involved with this and why do you think it's important? Well, I became involved with this actually uh, when the, the former secretary of the prize saw an exhibition that I made in Rotterdam. It was called A Better World and it was actually facing similar issues. So it was facing the importance of architecture and activism group that collaborate. 
In in general, this was uh, you know one of the starting points uh, of of the attention. It's fundamentally important to start uh, uh, readdressing the important issue that should be the focus of design. So I get a bit frustrated when on design magazines you're only focusing on the formal qualities. So you're only looking at you know how beautiful a building is in a picture. Well, actually, buildings and uh, design objects and art are actually fundamental tools to change our perception of the world and to, to change the way in which we actually interact with one another. So I think it's, it's really important nowadays to just give back uh, to the design agenda some of the issues that were fundamental since the beginning, such as the social issues and, and what are the economical implications on design and how do people relate with each other through design. And so I think that it's really fundamental today to, to talk about these issues and the design, the Curry Stone Design Prize, it's one of the prizes that is really working on this agenda. Emiliano, how can people become involved with the Curry Stone Design Prize? If someone is listening and they are interested in participating with this, how would they do that? Well, at the moment, uh, there is not really a, an open process for the Curry Stone Design Prize. Uh, the nominations are all uh, confidential. But uh, we're trying to define ways in which we will actually promote different programs that are uh, still advocating the issues of the design prize. So we will soon be uh, uh, updating the website with possibilities to actually open up the process. But of course, it's going to be very important for everybody just to follow the work and actually to follow the work of all the fantastic winners that were already awarded over the last years. It's such a departure from the way people think about design or architecture. People in the field think of it this way, I'm sure, to some extent, but in the general population, people don't think about architecture and how it affects the way we relate in cities, the way people get along, uh, the way we relate with the environment. And it's so meaningful that you are encouraging people through this prize to take into account these greater issues as we make buildings and design our communities. Yes, but uh, I think it's, it's really important to, to just to, to have a kind of uh, uh, also more deep understanding of how we're constructing our cities and how our cities are influencing our life. Because if we just, you know, follow constructed and already uh, pre-established pact, we will just end up in, in, in a position in which we can't really influence the way in which we, we make our lives and we, we want to actually give priorities to our lives. So it, it's, it's really uh, a, an important shift, the one in which each one of us should be aware of how things are, are actually managed. And I think that's you know, the first moment in which you can actually make a choice. Make a choice of you know, the way you want to be living and which are the priorities and which are the things that you think are important. And unfortunately today with, with large-scale mass production, you know, we have a huge amount of advantages but also there's a lot of exploitation and disadvantages. So it's important to understand the process, to tackle the process, and to understand which are the things that could, be, that could actually eventually change to make things better. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Emiliano Gandolfi speaking to us from Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Let's listen to some more music from Colombia, and then we'll meet Alejandro Echeverri, who's an architect with Transformative Public Works in Medellin, Colombia. So this piece of music is called La Tierra. <laughs> <laughs> 
and the artist is Ekimosis. You're listening to Paradigms.
de Morosquillo is the name of that one from Pedro Laza y su banda, Colombian musicians. And before that, Equimosis with La Tierra. All right, let's meet Alejandro Echeverri from Medellin, Colombia. I am Alejandro Echeverri, architect and urbanist. And I used to be the director of urban projects of Medellin during the Sergio Fajardo administration between two 2004 and 2008. I am now a uh, director of, of Urban Research Center at, at Afit uh, University. And you are one of the people who entered the Curry Stone Design Prize. Yes, as well. Yes. Uh, we and Sergio won the Curry Stone for the work that we did and many people did with us in Medellin during the last years. Can you describe your project? The main thing of the target of the city was uh, to change some things and some problems that the city has some very big problems about insecurity and about informalization, about our slums. In, in those parts of the city, we have the two big problems. And we implemented, and Sergio, uh, our major, lead a process that put the education and the culture inside the, that uh, locations and trying to connect 
to get a real inclusion and the social urbanism that was my my work during the administration we look for the best architecture and the best urbanism to help the program of the municipality and to try to change the skin of the, some of the, that uh, parts of the city making new public spaces, new uh, public buildings, park libraries, uh, some uh, transport system to integrate the communities. It sounds like a huge project. Yes, uh, Baruch. was uh, and is because uh, the work is conti- uh, continue. It's a huge project, but in, different, in, in many different scales. One of the most important things is that we work a lot and we continue working a lot with the people that are living in the in that uh, places and uh, the participation the communication and uh, the small works and the big ones and we always trying to combine the different scales the different ways of of participation of course trying to combine physical change and social cultural change can you describe some of the specific design and building projects so that my listeners can picture what you're talking about? Yes. One of the programs is a huge transformation of education. Medellin, we have a public education in the 80% of the population of the city. The city built and is continued doing a new network of public schools in, in the most hazard locations with the best quality in education and the programs and as well with the best quality in infrastructures. We did a lot of national competition looking to trying to find the best architects of the country and uh, the city transformed 140 new schools and as well is building a new uh, network of library parks, not only library. The reality is that the library parts are buildings that have libraries as well, but has a lot of public services inside. Those projects uh, redefine some of the centralities and the urbanity of the, some of the uh, informal and dangerous places of the city. The other project, for example, we call Proyecto Urbano Integral. is an integral urban project that we located in a specific territory where we put a new transport system integrated with the metro. For example, we call Metro Cable, Metro Cowley, is an, an air cables, but for the public transport connected with the metro. And in the stations, we redefine and we build a new urbanity of the places. And as well, the projects are not only physical. We put in that territory is a special manager with a team, interdisciplinary team, work with the people, implemented uh, many different uh, programs for education, culture, safety as well, and uh, business, small business for the communities, etc. It's fantastic. And the thing that stands out to me in what you're saying is that you're valuing the people. Yes, it's the first thing is the first thing. Of course, all the work that we have been doing, uh, we have been doing for the people and mainly for the child and the young people. In the United States right now, if you tried to build a brand new beautiful school in a slum, 
you would never get it done because people would fight against it and say those people uh, don't deserve it. Oh, it's a big mistake. But I think in Colombia as well, in many places. But uh, 10 years ago in Medellin, many people thought uh, in, this, in, the, in the same way. But I think, and we think, because it's very important to say, but the political decision and the leadership of, of the mayor, who was Fajardo, was one of the keys, of course, that the inclusion is not only to improve the quality of life that is the main problem of, uh, as well, but uh, the inclusion came as well for if you feel that you have some of the most beautiful and best services and buildings. And I think the architecture and the design and the beauty helps a lot, not only for the aesthetic, but it's the, uh, the mental inclusion is, helps a lot of that. If you surround people with beauty, it, it helps them lift themselves up. Yes, I think so. It sounds like a fantastic project. How far along is it? How much is there left to do in the actual construction? A lot, Baruch. We just start because Medellin has three million and a half. It's a, a big city. And uh, of course, we select and the city is transforming uh, some of the most symbolic and problematic parts of the city. But we have to continue doing that work for 10, 15 years if we want to change, uh, not the whole, but the main part of the city. Medellin is, is, is just a start because the problem is huge. You, you, you know the problem, the narco-traffic, and, and uh, as well, Medellin is a very intense, and Medellin, Medellin is located uh, some of the main and big business and industry uh, centers of Colombia. It's very, the economic in Colombia is very active. But outside, uh, you mainly know us for the narco-traffic. But uh, the narco-traffic is a huge force as well. The good forces have to continue working a lot, I think. So it's not finished yet, of course. So in spite of challenges and even some real opposition, it sounds like, you are moving forward with this amazing venture that is for the people. Yes, I, I, I agree. I, I think the city is moving for, forward, but it's not a di direct line, of course. You will find turbulence in the way. It's, it's the normal thing in, 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 in uh, society and the context that we are. But the public and the, as well the private in Medellin, one of the singular and the most positive things of the city is that the private and the public today are working together in education and culture and in many things of the city. I am optimistic, but realistic as well. Some of what your project is doing is building bridges between economic classes. Yes. That's great. Yes, it's, 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 it's trying to connect in many different ways. Physical bridges and no physical bridges, yes. How is the Curry Stone Design Prize helping with this process? For us, that kinds of recognitions are very important because many people are involved in the process. The recognitions help us and, and put as well in, in some other places the, that the work is doing well. It's not finished, but it's doing well. But as well, for the name of the city, 
that many people uh, from Medellin, we are trying to work and we are trying to change uh, as well the name of the city, the perception that the people from outside has about Medellin. The Cruistone Design Prize helped a lot of, uh, of that, but I think one of the most important things is that the Cruistone helped us and will help us to continue doing and to improve the programs because uh, today we have a new network of knowledge from the Cruistone network as well. And we, uh, from the last year and a half, we start working and uh, trying to, to improve and to find different ways uh, of uh, work that we can, we can implement here. And we uh, knew today many different people that have has the same sensibility, and the Curry is, uh, helped a lot of, of that. I wish you all of the best of luck in your project, and I think it's a wonderful example of something that can happen, and I hope lots of people learn about what you're doing and copy you. But, uh, thank you, Baruch. Not copy. We have, we have to, to learn, learn from examples, but one of the, main, the things that we are doing in Medellin is not copying ex outside experience. That helps a lot as, as well, but is trying to understand what things of that experience can you implement it locally with the people. But uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Alejandro Echeverri from Medellin, Colombia. They're doing some really cool stuff. I actually have some friends, Todd and Urania, who are from Colombia, who helped select this music. Thank you so much, Todd and Urania. And they have been to uh, the library park, one of the library parks in Medellin, and told me it was just really beautiful. So they're doing some very cool work to make that city more human, to help bring people together and make class difference and economic difference less significant in the life of the people. That's really important work because the differences that are existing between people due to economics and class are driving us apart in the world and we need to come together. We need to be able to work together and have manufactured differences like class and economy fade away so that we're really one world together. I'm not talking about one world government, I'm talking about humanity. Anyway, uh, but let's get into some more music now. We're going to transition to uh, some music from Guatemala before we speak with Carlos and Daniel of Maya Pedal in Guatemala. So here is something called Nien Cate Bimetia. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. The artists are the Garifuna Boys from Guatemala. You're listening to Paradigms on WBKM.org. Marumartelemas, 
Time to meet Carlos and Daniel from Maya Pedal in Guatemala. My name is Carlos Enrique Marroquín Machan. I am from uh, the indigenous town of San Andres Itzapa in Chimaltenango. Uh, which is 60 kilometers from Guatemala City. He trabajado durante todos estos tiempos eh, en la asociación Maya Pedal desde hace 14 años. And for 14 years I have been, I have been working with Asociación Maya Pedal or Maya Pedal. I am Daniel Pereira. I am a close friend and collaborator of Carlos Marroquín and Maya Pedal. Uh, and I've worked in similar projects in the south of Mexico in Oaxaca with appropriate technologies um, in indigenous and urban communities. Welcome to Paradigms. I'm very happy that you're both here. And I would love to know more about Maya Pedal. Maya Pedal is an organization no lucrativa que trabaja pues en impulsar proyectos de desarrollo a las familias de las áreas rurales. Maya Pedal is a non-profit uh, community-based organization uh, that is dedicated to uh, promoting and launching um, development projects at the grassroots level. Implementando lo que es la biotecnología para poder eh, 
facilitarles el trabajo a las comunidades. Uh, specifically, uh, we promote uh, bicycle-powered machines um, in order to uh, alleviate some of the needs of the communities in the rural areas of Guatemala. How did Maya Pedal get started? Bueno, Maya Pedal nació hace 14 años. Uh, Maya Pedal was born 14 years ago. Eso fue también a través del conflicto armado. Just right after the signing of the peace accords here in Guatemala after a 36-year uh, civil conflict. En ese tiempo, pues yo trabajaba como piloto automovilista y eso pues fue lo que me dio la oportunidad de conocer varios eh, lugares y comunidades de nuestra Guatemala y ver las necesidades en cada familia. Uh, around that time, I used to be a rural bus driver and that allowed me the possibility and the opportunity to see the needs that many of the communities around the country were facing. Eso pues me hizo eh, pensar de cómo podía yo poder ayudar a las personas de escasos recursos, pero no con fondos necesarios para iniciar un proyecto. So that's, uh, got, that got me thinking uh, about how I could personally get involved in trying to resolve some of these uh, needs that many of our communities were facing. The problem was that I didn't know how to get started and we didn't have any funds to, to start a project. En eso pues conocimos a un grupo de voluntarios canadienses que ellos también eh, venían a apoyar directamente a las familias guatemaltecas. And it was around that time that a group of Canadian volunteers came to our community and they were looking to get involved with uh, similar projects uh, um, focusing on development. Y a través de eso pues tuvimos una pláticas y unas discusiones de ver cómo poder implementar ya con un molino que ellos usaban a mano para poder impulsarlo con una bicicleta. So they were promoting the use of the bicycle back in Canada and we got to talking and playing around with some ideas and uh, the idea came up to adapt a pedal mechanism to uh, a hand mill, a hand uh, grain mill. And that's how we started experimenting with the very first prototype for bike machine or BC Machina. A través de eso, pues, de, de este, después de tantas eh, investigaciones y todo, pues, nace la primer máquina, que es el molino del granador. So after a few trials and many um, uh, failed experiments, we came up with the very first prototype of the bicycle-powered grain mill and corn dehusker. Uh, now, maybe just a little bit of uh, an explanation on my part about what uh, degraining or dehusking corn is. Um, everybody in, in rural Guatemala and, and, and most of urban Guatemala as well uh, eat tortillas on a daily basis. And this is the, the corn flatbread uh, that is very common to the whole Mesoamerican region. And the way to uh, make the dough uh, is that the corn uh, kernels need to be separated from the cob and this is done usually by hand by rural families. After the harvest, the family gets together and they degrain each corn cob either individually by hand or by putting them into a sack, tying the sack up, and then hitting it uh, with, a, with a stick or with a club so that the kernels come, uh, come apart. Now, this bicycle-powered uh, corn degrainer or this granadora de maíz, what it does is in about one day of work, one family can actually do what it usually takes them about seven days of work to do. So it was a very successful first prototype. That's fantastic. That's great. 
Music is fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. It must have made a lot. Must be making a lot of people happier. Exactamente, y a través de, pues eso es lo que nos ha impulsado también y nos ha estado dando pues las energías necesarias para seguir haciendo otros diseños y seguir trabajando por el desarrollo. Definitely, and that's exactly what's been motivating us for so many years, uh, despite uh, the economic hardships, just to continue to come up with new new ideas and new machines along with, with the different families to come up with, uh, with these solutions to everyday problems. I'm curious what other kinds of bicycle-powered machines you've made that people are using. I could probably mention about 10 of them. Bueno, el, el general, o sea, el, lo que tenemos como primordial, lo que más se ha vendido es el molino desgranador. So, the, the, the main prototype, the main application, I should say, continues to be the grain mill slash uh, corn degrainer. La bici bomba de lazo y la bici bomba mini bomba móvil. Uh, then, uh, the second most important is the bicycle powered water pump for wells and there's two different uh, machines one of them is for deep wells and it uses um, a rope uh, mechanism and the other one is a small micro pump uh, that can be moved from one site to the other for smaller or shallower wells in homes La bicilavadora. Uh, the bicycle power washing machine for clothes La compactadora de concreto. A concrete, a micro-concrete compactor, which is kind of a vibration machine that, that is used to get the air bubbles out of concrete tiles for, for making roofs. Descascaradora de macadamia. A macadamia nut sheller. Descascaradora de manía. A peanut sheller as well. Eh, lo que es la bicilicuadora. The bicycle-powered uh, blender also. Lo que también es el bicigenerador and the bicycle-powered uh, generator, electric generator, which is one of the applications that we've been uh, working on for several years, and it's still a work in progress. It's probably the most complicated one. De café. And a uh, coffee depulper <clears throat> that is also powered by, by a pedal mechanism. Uh, and there's also uh, a bicycle-powered mixer for for compost, for organic compost in uh, in the farms around the area. La picadora de, de hierbas para hacer plantas de lo que es medicina natural. And uh, shredder for herbs for making uh, infusions also. And so on and so forth. There's there's many other machines. He said there's one last one that's very common in in San Andres Itapa bicycle-powered taxi cabs. So it's um, here in the area, it's very common to see tuk-tuks or, or these motorcycle taxis. And they're kind of dangerous and they're a little expensive. And so the, the bicycle taxis or tricycle taxis are, have become pretty popular. And that's one of the other things that Maya Pedal has been promoting. But the tools you've made are brilliant. You're addressing food, water, and housing needs. It's wonderful and, and we will soon need them here in the United States. Muchas gracias, pues esperemos que podamos, porque para eso vienen también los voluntarios para poderlos implementar en otro país. Like he said, thank you very much, and, uh, and, and we surely hope that, that we can continue to exchange ideas with people uh, up north. And actually, one of the things that has allowed Maya Pedal to exist 
for so many years has been the hard work, the ideas, the energy and the enthusiasm of so many volunteers that actually come from the United States, uh, from Canada and from other countries in, in Europe and around the world. And many of them, when they come here, they stay for, for a few weeks or a few months. They actually learn how to build some of the prototypes, some of these applications. And uh, so we're sure that, that many of them have made their way into the U.S., but they're probably working anonymously out there. <laughs> how has the Curry Stone Design Prize affected uh, Maya Petal? What's, what's, how is that involvement happening? Bastante, porque incluso a través de eso pues han habido varios medios de comunicación que se han interesado a nivel internacional, no local, porque a nivel internacional se me salieron a conocer porque aquí todavía no. So there has been some impact, um, specifically um, with the foreign press. There's has, there's been a lot of international attention that uh, sprung out of the Curry Stone Design Prize, and there have been. Um, uh, there has there have been journalists and uh, different organizations that deal with development that have contacted us uh, as a result of of the prize. Unfortunately, locally in Guatemala, uh, it hasn't had a lot of resonance yet, uh, and we're actually coming up with um, with a strategy to begin 2011, coming up in January, um, to come up with some kind of a media strategy to let it be known in, in Guatemala that Maya Pedal has been recognized in a very prestigious um, prize uh, at an international level. And so we, hopefully this is going to generate more attention locally, which is actually what we're most in interested in. I like to focus on inspiration, and it seems like, you know, Carlos' inspiration was to see the need around him. Maya Pedal is meeting some of those needs, and as that happens more well, what comes next when people get some of these basic needs made a little easier in their lives? Then what happens? Well, the first thing that inspires me is that the reality is that I like to see how I can help directly to families, because there is always a need. There is always a need of different kinds. And that makes one La satisfacción que a uno le da para inspirarse es cuando uno ve funcionar, cuando uno ve que, que la persona lo está usando, que si está progresando, entonces uno dice, bueno, no es tiempo perdido, es tiempo que, que se ganó y que está uno feliz por el trabajo realizado. Entonces, eso lo motiva a seguir adelante. Bueno, como encontrar una manera de algunas de las necesidades de nuestras comunidades, aquí en has been the main motivation for our work. Uh, after we started working and seeing that uh, some of these applications actually worked and that the families became so enthusiastic about, uh, about these machines, uh, that became uh, kind of an added stimulus. It, it, it became the source of, of our inspiration. And, and considering that for 14 years, we haven't really perceived that that, that uh, much of an income. And so this has been kind of the engine that's been running this, this project is the interest and the enthusiasm of the families and the communities around this area who come to us and they ask us, you know, can we come up with a new idea together? Can we come up with a new application together? Because we have this other need. <clears throat> Many times these are needs that we ourselves had never thought of um, or applications we, we could never have dreamed of. but. They're ideas that come directly from the communities who hear about our work and who figure, you know, when we get together, maybe we can together come up with a new idea and a new application.
Is there anything you uh, want to make sure listeners hear as sort of a final message? Uh, there's a message that Carlos likes to end his presentations with. Uh, usually, this is how he ended the presentation, the acceptance speech at the Curry Stone Design Prize. Let's make Mother Earth our church and caring for it our religion. Beautiful. Thank you very much. That was Carlos and Daniel of Maya Pedal in Guatemala. I had a great time talking with them. Daniel doing the translating for Carlos. And uh, I am really excited about the machines they're making. I want a bicycle-powered washing machine. I think that would be really cool. And as we move towards more and more energy efficiency in the United States, one of the main consumers in the world, it not only behooves us, it, it would be really cool for us to start using person-powered machinery. Just think, no carbon footprint, burns calories, you know. Think of all those people riding bicycles in gymnasiums who could be washing clothes or making electricity. It's time for us to head in that direction, don't you think? Not to mention how amazing it must be for a family to be able to process as much corn in a day as it used to take them a week to do. These are the kinds of things that in our highly technologized society we've kind of lost track of, but one of the things that really changed the world was the advent of labor-saving devices. It changes the quality of people's lives. I'm not talking about iPhones. They don't really save labor. That's a cool gadget. But a, a bicycle-powered corn processor? That directly affects how much energy people have to put into feeding themselves. That's real. So I really appreciate what Carlos and Daniel are doing in Guatemala. Let's get into some more Guatemalan music. This is from an uh, artist called Sonora Ideal, and the piece of music is El Frascad, Marimba de Guatemala. And that will be followed by our first piece of Rwandan music for the evening, Chant de Femme, from Cecile Cayerebois. All right, here's the music.
called Chante de Femme from Cécile Kairebwa, who is a Rwandan artist. We're going to hear now from uh, Cici Camacho, actually in the state of Maine in the U.S., who is working with an organization called She28. And in this case, She stands for Sustainable Health Enterprises. And they've developed a really interesting project to benefit girls and women of Rwanda. Let's hear about it. Here's Cece on Paradigms on WBKM.org. My name is Cece Camacho, and I'm the Vice President of Everything Maker of Magic at Sustainable Health Enterprises, SHE. And you are one of the uh, entrants and, I believe, a prize winner in the Curry Stone Design Prize. Is that true? Yes, we were one of the finalists for the award. And what was the design project that you undertook? We won the award for 
the work that we're doing for a project called She28. First, let me tell you a little bit about sustainable health enterprises. Um, we're an organization that is a social venture enterprises that uses a business approach to address social issues in developing countries. And so we launched our first project called She28, which addresses the issue of girls and women's lack of access to affordable menstrual pads. And this is actually a global issue, which is of significant cost to women's health and educational outcomes. And our first project is actually in Rwanda. What are you doing in Rwanda to get women and girls uh, better access to menstrual products? That's, that's a great question. And, and what we believe is creating an affordable menstrual pad so that women can access um, the pads and so that they could stay in school and go to work. And what we found that in Rwanda... 36% of them said it's missed school because pads are actually too expensive. So really the problem is is that menstrual pads are quite expensive. Both the, the African generic brand as well as the international brand are too expensive for girls and women to access. And so sometimes what they do is they use rags. They sometimes use mud and bark at risk to their health or for fear and embarrassment with wearing leaky pads. And in turn, they miss school and work. And so what we want to do is we are developing a pad and and we're hoping to manufacture and distribute that pad in country and what we're what our approach is is that we are using a business approach and launching women's menstrual pad businesses so that they can manufacture and distribute these pads to girls and women and couple that with education and advocacy and we realized that when we um, went into the field and asked girls and women about this issue, about their lack of access to menstrual pads, women and girls were saying that they wanted actually even more information about menstrual management around health and hygiene education. So what we've done is coupled both um, business approach with education and we have um, trained a number of community health workers, 50 actually this year in health and hygiene education, and who are reaching out to 5,000 Rwandans across the country. And so this is really exciting. And also what's also exciting is the other approach that we're taking is we're with an advocacy approach where we're trying to lay the groundwork to repeal the 18% um, value-added tax. And so Julian Kayabanda, who's our uh, one of our core staff team members in Rwanda, she's our operations officer, and she is actually leading um, this with 10 other organizations with a campaign called Breaking the Silence on Menstruation. You just said so much really interesting stuff. The thing that first comes to mind is you're you are breaking a taboo just by talking about it. Exactly. And and we feel that what is really important about our She twenty eight campaign is instigating discussions around this taboo subject and bringing people together around kitchen tables, having marches in Rwanda, which is what um, Julian Kaibanda and the ten organizations did. They led a march through the streets of Rwanda to talk about um, menstruation, this very taboo subject, and talk about how to get girls to access education and to keep women in work. And, and that's what's so important is to be able to talk about menstruation and it, because it's a normal part of a girl's and women's life and half the population of the world is menstruating at one time or another. And so we believe that once we can break these barriers in the discussion, then we can even, we can continue to move forward and, and really address this problem. 
Obviously, all of the women listening to this program completely understand. They get it. Some of the men might not. And I think it's important and of value to explain to men why it is not just a women's issue, but a, a human issue for women to have access to clean, ecological, affordable menstrual products. And absolutely, I think that's a it's a great question, and and we really believe that men are part of the solution. This isn't just a girls and women's problem. This is an issue that affects economies, and we believe that that in order to grow an economy, we need to invest in half the population, which is women and girls, and to make to make sure that they have access to education, good health, and jobs. and And so, it's important that that both men and women support this premise. And you know, girls and women are vital to the well-being of families and their communities and their countries. and And statistics show that for every dollar a woman earns, she invests eighty cents in her family. And so, the greater likelihood for women to work out Inside the home, it lowers their fertility, it reduces maternal and child mortality rates, and then there's better health and education outcomes for future, um, current and future generations, and that affects men's families, it affects girls' brothers, it, it affects communities, it affects countries, and so we really believe that this is not just an issue that should be addressed by women, for women, but should be taken up by both men and women, which is why we were so excited to win the award and really launch the next phase of our project, which is creating our manufacturing site for distribution of, of the pads. How is the Curry Stone Design Prize helping your project to move forward? What's exciting about the Curry Stone um, Award is that, one, it's unrestricted. So we're able to use the grant to really continue to launch our projects forward. And the, the next phase that we're entering is actually uh, launching um, the final phases of consumer testing of our pad and also rolling out local manufacturing in early 2011. And so you know, right now we're rolling up our sleeves. We're searching for a viable manufacturing site. Elizabeth, our founder, was just there in Rwanda with Julian and, you know, and a consultant searching for a viable site so that we can start to manufacture the pad that we've been developing in country in the U.S. and manufacture it in country in Rwanda and start distribution. So it's, so it's super exciting that we have um, more resources to do this. And, you know, we're we're extremely grateful for their support and um, their unwavering support of our mission and their belief that we should invest in girls and women. What is the pad made of? The absorbent part is made out of banana stem fibers from the trunk of the banana stem and and the fibers have been fluffed up and they've created an absorbent material for inside the pad. And I know that banana plants are extremely prolific and I've had them and I know that when you cut one down two grow in their place and if you cut down two you get four and and so on that they multiply so it seems like especially when you're talking about countries in Africa where banana trees grow you've got this abundance of resource to work with that's great well what we feel is really important is in order to lower the cost of the sanitary pad is to use materials that are um, local to the country and the community. And for Rwanda, Elizabeth and the team, when they first set out in 2007, 
discovered that the banana stem fibers were the most absorbent out of other materials. Now, um, we may use other agro-waste. That is yet to be determined. But our goal is to really, if when we scale up to other countries, is to look to the country's natural resources. Makes a lot of sense. And I'm guessing that part of winning the prize, winning the grant, had to do with that kind of forward thinking. Well, I think what's so exciting is to be included among a a number of organizations that are thinking outside the box to tackle critical issues in their community. And we are humbled that, you know, we won this award and and we are problem-solving in ways that are outside of the box, thinking about creating a new pad when pads were inaccessible, looking to banana stem fibers, pulling in partners who are passionate from all different fields, from design fields to technical engineering fields to um, the field of finance to the field of education to the field of advocacy and really pulling all these passionate partners together to think outside of the box and think about how can we tackle this very issue and make sure that girls can stay in school, women can go to work, and also provide a viable economic opportunity for women to start businesses. And so it's very exciting to be able to think of a different way of how to address this issue. Congratulations on winning the award and I wish you the best of luck in this venture and I look forward to hearing how it goes. Well, thank you so much for having us, Brooke. We we appreciate it. CC Camacho from Sustainable Health Enterprises. What they're doing may seem like not a big deal, but in reality, it's like the folks at Maya Petal. It's like the folks in Medellin in Colombia. When you make things easier for people, when you make some of the biological necessities of life easier for people, you free them up for creativity, for education, for work, for family, for all kinds of things. And really, hundreds of years ago, as various innovations came into being, that's what changed the world. That's what created the Industrial Revolution. That's what created all these quote-unquote labor-saving devices, which some of which are questionable. But with projects like the ones we're talking about tonight, it's really about affecting people's lives in a very direct way. In the technologized world, you know, in all the places where we have a lot of electronica, I think there's been a a bit of forgetting about some of the more basic human needs that allow us to make our lives more personally fulfilling, more fulfilling with community. We're going to listen to uh, another piece of music from Rwanda, and then we'll come back and uh, do a little housekeeping and close out the show. This is an artist who's called Miss Jojo, and I was looking for her music, and it was not easy to find, and I found her email address, and I emailed her, and she sent this to me. Thank you, Miss Jojo. This is called Nganirira, Miss Jojo from Rwanda on Paradigms. Tejereje, 
Miss Jojo from Rwanda with her song Nganirida, which again I'm concerned that I'm mispronouncing, but that's the way it goes. Well, we're coming to the end of another 
edition of Paradigms. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed yourself, and I hope you've found some inspiration hearing about what people are doing, these incredible projects. And thank you to the Curry Stone Design Prize for supporting these great things that are happening in the world. You can find links to websites for each of these projects and the Curry Stone Design Prize on our website, paradigms.bz, along with all of our archived episodes. I hope you'll check that out. We're closing out 2010, getting ready for 2011. Next week's show is going to be uh, a retrospective of 2010, all the musical artists who were on Paradigms. So tune in and hear music from all of the various musical guests that have been on the show in the last year. And there's some pretty amazing people, really. I mean, we're, we're talking about people like Rhythm Rancher, Will McCoy from California, Ahmed Saeed from Beja Country in Sudan, Derek Jordan from Vermont, Sinead O'Connor, David Bromberg, John Anderson, just to name some of them. So tune in next week, and we're just going to hear a lot of great music from some of our friends. I hope you have a great week. I hope you have a great New Year's celebration, whatever that means to you. We're going to listen to one last piece of music from Colombia on our way out tonight. And I really like this one. It's from an artist named Juan, and it's Adios Le Pido. This is Baruch signing off from Paradigms on WBKM.org. despierten con la luz de tu mirada yo a Dios le pido que mi madre no se muera y que mi padre me recuerde a Dios le pido que te quedes a mi lado y que más nunca te me vayas mi vida a Dios le pido que mi alma no descanse cuando de amarte se trate mi cielo a Dios le pido por los días que me quedan y las noches que aún no llegan yo a Dios le pido Por los hijos de mis hijos y los hijos de tus hijos A Dios le pido Que mi pueblo no derrame tanta sangre y se levante mi gente A Dios le pido Que mi alma no descanse cuando de amarte se trate mi cielo A Dios le pido Un segundo más de vida para darte Y mi corazón entero entregarte Un segundo más de vida para darte Y a tu lado para siempre yo quedarme Un segundo más de vida yo a Dios le pido que si me muero sea de amor y si me enamoro sea de vos y que de tu voz sea este corazón todos los días. A Dios le pido que si me muero sea de amor y si me enamoro sea de vos y que de tu voz sea este corazón todos los días. A Dios le pido. A Dios le pido. Cuando de amarte se trate mi cielo A Dios le pido 
para darte Y mi corazón entero entregarte Un segundo más de vida para darte Y a tu lado para siempre yo quedarme Un segundo más de vida yo A Dios le pido Que si me muero sea de amor Y si me enamoro sea de vos Y que de tu voz sea este corazón Todos los días a Dios le pido Que si me muero sea de amor Y si me enamoro sea de vos Y que de tu voz sea este corazón Todos los días a Dios le pido Que si me muero sea de amor Y si me enamoro sea de vos Y que de tu voz sea este corazón Todos los días a Dios le pido Que si me muero sea de amor Y si me enamoro sea de vos Y que de tu voz sea este corazón Todos los días yo a Dios le pido You've been listening to Paradigms on WBKM.org.